Hey guys, it's James Robert, and I'm excited to share Jonathan Clay's digital growth journey story with you in a moment. Jonathan is a digital marketing associate at Louisiana FCU, and he has such a great story to tell because I've watched Jonathan elevate his digital marketing capabilities. He's elevated his knowledge year after year since he first attended one of our digital growth training programs in Houston, which was about five years ago. And since that time, I've been guiding Jonathan and his team along their digital growth journey, watching them all make tremendous progress, all create tremendous value for their financial brand quarter after quarter, year after year. Jonathan is really a true testament that transformation begins with training and education. Enjoy the show. Listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journeys series, where James Robert uncovers and explores some of the industry's biggest digital marketing and sales stories of success. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay, your digital anthropologist, and I'd like to welcome you to the 50th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. My, 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 how time sure does fly because we have reached the halfway point to 100 episodes that share knowledge, transfer insights, provide you with inspiration as I commit to continue to guide you and your financial brand along your digital growth journey. And for that, I'd like to thank you, dear listener, for joining me on today's episode, speaking of journeys, because it is part of the Digital Growth Journey series, and I'm excited to welcome Jonathan Clay from Louisiana FCU to the show. And as you are the digital marketing associate at Louisiana FCU, what is one thing that you're working on right now, Jonathan, that has you most excited? Ooh, um, I think the biggest project that we're working on, I say biggest, meaning uh, my biggest excitement with the project is um, we're working on a budgeting project currently. It's really real life practical application of budgeting that makes sense to the everyday person. Um, RCAO Mia has a saying that a checking account is not a sexy product and we're just a stop along the way. Um, so our team is currently working on a budgeting landing page that partners with the savings challenge and it just kind of encourages our, our members and our, our um, customers to take practical steps to save for those goals and just to, to practice good savings habits. And it's really fun just kind of to give them a why behind their what. That's a, that's a guiding force of our institution is to uh, understand why we do what we do and help that help make that practical to our members. So it's just really fun to work on this project. And because I've seen your personal growth over the year, along with your team's growth, your credit union's growth, I think you're in such a good place to build upon really a strong foundation and get some more exponential capabilities uh, within the next 12 to 18 months around this perspective. We're not going to get into the details of that, <clears throat> excuse me, as they continue to unfold, but it's just going to be interesting to watch this next phase as you go down that path. Speaking of growth, I would say you've really transcended the idea of a digital marketer, quote unquote, into something greater <laughs> something that I see. I, I 
and I really believe more financial brand marketing teams need. And that is what I'm going to call. I'm going to call you a new title. I'm going to give you the title of an empathetic experience engineer because all of your thing, all of your doing is really focused around one thing, um, and you've alluded to it before, but that's people. So you talked about people and you talked about purpose. Provide some more perspective for the audience about how people and purpose drive the work that you're doing uh, at the credit union. Well, I think that, um, one, I love that title, but I think that that actually uh, starts with something personal, uh, a personal why for myself is something I like to do as a person is find ways to make the lives of others around me easier um, and understanding where people are because everyone has their own story. Everyone's on their own journey. And it was very important to me to do work that contributed to that because if I don't feel like I'm contributing to a greater purpose or a greater good, then I kind of feel like I'm just spinning on wheels doing nothing. And what I like to do, the, the cool thing about how our digital growth journey has kind of transpired is that I, with our website, it's a, a website that sells, that's a, a fancy way of saying, we can see user behavior and I can see what people are clicking around on the website, what are their interests are, and it allows me to dig deeper and ask the question, why? Why are people looking at personal loans at this time of year? Why are people looking at auto loans? And the driving force behind what I do, the purpose behind what I do is understand that this person may come to my website looking for a loan, but that's not really what I'm selling to them. I'm selling them the idea of peace of mind and, hey, this is just a set, like our, our tagline here in the organization, this is, we're helping you get there. This is a step to help you get there so that you can focus on life first. And that's, I try to keep that question at the back of my mind for everything that I'm doing, move beyond just the marketing side of it and, and just into the empathetic, I guess, psychological behavior of a person and understanding where they are. Yeah, you know, you mentioned something that I think is really critical for others to pick up on, and that one of your key roles is to simplify the complexities of digitals to educate others as well. And you've mentioned this purpose a few times or this why. I Was it a year or two ago, you guys had a transformative purpose workshop or a why workshop yes. that helped to educate others into the greater meanings of where you were going along this digital growth journey. How did that sure. help tear down what we would traditionally see as like internal silos? Um, okay, that's a wonderful question. So about two years ago, really briefly, uh, our senior leadership got the staff all together for training day and we uh, we did a deep dive in studying on Simon Sinek Start With Why. And basically, the short of it is you have 15 seconds to tell a person what you do. How do you explain that in a way that's clear and concise? Us implementing the why statement of our organization, which is to help people so that they can focus on life first, yeah. kind of unified our entire staff around this idea that you're not, you're not just a teller, you're not an MSR, you're not a marketer, you're not a, a director. You, you are a person who's here to help people so that they can focus on life first. Having that be a guiding force. And then I want to mention also, it's a guiding force, but a practice that we do internally is that every staff member is required to submit what we call why stories. And these why stories are basically just a moment to take a step away from the day-to-day 
duties of your job and talk about how you help someone, whether that's internal or external. By making that a mandate, which is actually kind of fun to do because you have to look for opportunities to help others, uh, but making that a mandate, we have now created this this, this sense of unity internally that um, every staff meeting, I think we'll have one here tomorrow actually, we get together and get to hear all these different stories of how as simple as a teller or possibly as great as a CEO, not to say that those are levels here, but how they help someone. And it just reminds us of why we come here every day. You know, you, you're with your coworkers. Yeah, no, you, I, oh, I, you, you, you talked about look for opportunities to help others. There's that, that empathetic perspective coming out with just the way that you're communicating. So having that not only be within the marketing department, but expanded throughout top to bottom, bottom to top is what I believe is one of the reasons that you guys have made so much progress over the past years. Speaking of, of progress, on the flip side, there are challenges and roadblocks that you've had to eliminate. I often liken this to legacy thinking, uh, like if it isn't broke, don't fix it, or that's the way we've always done it. I I can think of so many traditional brands that have been brought down because of that limited perspective, Borders, Blockbuster, Kodak, and even more recently, one near and dear to my heart, Toys R Us. How have you been able to overcome this limited mindset that is just I, I I feel has the potential to be the death knell or to be so deadly for others. Well, I'm fortunate enough to work for an, an organization that's very excellence driven. Um, and what that means is we tend to come up with a lot of really cool ways to get the job done. But with that, you know, we have this thing um, where we just kind of try to simplify processes. We went, I think about three years ago now, we went on a, um, an ease migration where we leaned everything out. The problem with that is, or I shouldn't say problem, but the challenge with that is, is that once you lean something out, you kind of get used to it being status quo. And I think that the way we've overcome that is we realize that that's an ongoing journey. It's not a one and done. You don't lean something out one time and that's it. It's just a continual refocus internally. Say, okay, great. That worked this, this area, in this area, in this time period, and it was super successful. Being willing to take a step back and say, how can we improve upon that just to make it easier both for the internal and external customer alike? So I guess the answer is just simply realizing that it's an ongoing conversation and you don't stop with one time. You know, you've you've got so much practical wisdom right there because I think a lot of financial brands, as I've talked so many times before, they get stuck in the doing of digital that they don't take time to stop, pause, learn about what they've been working on, how to apply those learnings through the thinking so that whenever, whenever they do it again, they do it even that much better. But what you're talking about is a critical step of review and refinement. You actually have a practical example of that with an internal process called pre-apps that I feel like has been a transformative experience. What has that process looked like for you at Louisiana? Well, initially, that's actually the perfect example. Initially, about two and a half, maybe three years ago, we rolled out the pre-app process, which is simply asking for high-level lead generation information at the start of an application with the purpose of making sure if a person starts an application, they finish it. I liken it to the um, shopping cart mindset. People, you put stuff in your shopping cart on Amazon, but you're not entirely ready to commit. 
Well, um, we piloted that program in 2017 or 18, I believe. And because of implementing that, we were able to capture 74 additional loans that we normally would not have captured. Well, fast forward, one little hiccup happens, which is the, the status quo with digital as things grow and evolve new ways of doing things come up and you gotta you gotta be flexible and adjustable and it created some internal fear i would say and we turned it off and it was an argument that this is an extra step and and, and we're we're slowing our members down so it just took time like i said going back to the the, the, the chopping block and saying hey listen here's how this has benefited us here's how we can grow from it this is the additional leads we were able to capture off of it this is the importance behind it. So it took me and all the stakeholders getting in one room, whiteboarding it out and showing them the process from start to finish and then the benefit behind the process. And now is the go-to way of doing things when it comes to application processes because now I'm able to retarget members who start an application and don't finish it and just educate them and nurture them because not everybody's ready to to click buy when they when they stick something in their cart. So you, we got to you know understand where our members are and meet the, them at their yeah, the 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 process you're talking about is probably one of the quickest wins a financial brand can experience to maximize their digital growth because we we see abandonment rates for online applications whether it be for a loan product or a deposit a new account be between 85 90 92 sometimes upwards of 95 percent for one reason or another these are traditionally things yeah. that are beyond the control of the financial brand but by deploying this pre-app and then optimizing it you've really created exponential value every step of the way but you had to not only be an empathetic experience engineer for the prospect you also had to be an empathetic experience educator for internal team members as well correct so i think that's a really key lesson it's you're playing really two roles you're you're developing systems and processes that are external facing, but you're also having to educate others into why, coming back to your point with like with Simon Sinek, why are we doing this first and foremost? And then you can talk about the what and the how. Yeah? Correct. Yeah. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. You know, you've hearing you talk through this, you really have fought the good fight every step away along this journey, because 
I often compare digital growth to say running a marathon or defeating the giant beast or monster, the monster typically being a well. I think like if you look at the story of, of Pinocchio, right? The well, and, and even with narrative art type structures, the well was named Monstro the Monster. So <laughs> what have you done in your own journey to defeat the beast of digital overwhelmment or digital distraction? Well, first of all, that, that was a process within itself. I think that kind of in keeping with this mindset of the beast being a whale, you eat a whale bite by bite, Melinda May. Um, and realistically, when we first started this journey, it was a bit overwhelming. But um, what I've learned to do and what I found the most success in is Actually, it's a step I've taken from you. Good is the enemy of uh, great is the enemy of good. You have to get something to a place where it's excellent in, in its craftsmanship, but you're not trying to go for a home run on the first start because digital is a beast of a project. You can't just throw it all out there and expect it to all work. So you get it to a, a state where it's it's serving its purpose. It's alleviating pain points for both internal and external customers, and then you you go through a period of. 30 to 90 days, and then you reassess, okay, how can we improve upon this process? So for me, it's launch a project, assess it, review it, and then optimize it over time. And you start to do that with each project, and then you look back, it's like, wow, we've pulled off some amazing stuff that when we saw it on the punch list, it seemed impossible. But as of today, all those things are now completed. And one of the things that that you've talked about before, even with the pre-app process, and I've seen you do this multiple times, piloting piloting something before it becomes like the new correct the new status quo before that gets transformed and made even that much better going forward how has piloting things been helpful for you and really probably i'd say helpful for others because it's it's that incremental steps it's that incremental grow growth moving in the right direction without we'll call it we're going to get something 80 percent there and, and what seth godin talks about in some of his talks is we just got to ship it like like just get it out get it 80 percent there keep that standard of excellence to use your words but we still have to ship and not get bogged down in perfectionism how do you communicate that to others who might be perfectionist by default kind of like i am so that's an excellent question. Um, I would like to say that the pre-app process has kind of been the framework. Why I see it as our biggest digital win It's a framework for basically all of our piloting programs and how we continue to elevate and, and optimize those things. The way that uh, the piloting part of that process has worked is that you kind of it's kind of a cheat code, if, if, if I can call it that. You pilot it with a smaller project or a smaller team get them to see the benefit of it, and then you create them as your internal advocates for why something works. You roll it out, and then and internally, when it's just something marketing-related, I'm not working with another team, roll it out on one product line. We start with, uh, I think I started the pre-app process with new autos only. We captured that, went great, and then we moved on to credit card. Well, at that point, you're now create your work is creating your argument for you. So you go back to us perfectionists. And I said, I work for an excellence driven organization. So if they hear launch at 80% and we'll get to 20% later, that initially to the ears, it's like, no, we can't do that. That's how we operate. But when you do that, 
and that doesn't say sacrifice the excellence and, and, and the hard work. When you get it to a place that's workable and approved, then you can let your work create the case and the argument for them and say, hey, look, this is how we've rolled it out thus far. This is the success of it. Let's roll it out here, and then we'll add it, add things to this original uh, first piloted program. Uh, that's kind of how it's worked out for me. I think that's a big, big difference than how many financial brands traditionally have operated. And something that you've brought to the table is being able to prove and quantify time and time and time and time again, the value that marketing is creating for the organization. Because I, I hear it right. from financial marketers every single day. I'm a I'm I'm a cost center. Um, I'm I'm a glorified in-house FedEx Kinkos. I'm I'm kids that play with paint and crayons, but quantifiably, you're proving value day in and day out. What has been some of those quantifiable wins beyond? Yeah, we're we're making progress. We're we're checking things off the list and we're optimizing them. But how are you proving the value of marketing? Because that's one thing. If, if financial marketers can solve that problem, they can start writing their own checks. Well, I think uh, some examples of quantifiable proof. Um, last year, we had a corporate goal to um, bring in deposits. And initially, it was seen as this big lofty thing that Honestly, to just we have honest conversations with ourselves internally. Like, this is lofty goal, guys. I don't know if we're going to need it. So I, I kind of put a big ask out there. I was like, hey, what if we implement the pre-app process and we tie that with digital leads on Facebook? And um, we tie these assets that we know that we're really good at doing, and we just put it out there. Um, so I can say over the course of the year 2019, I think we bought in – between the, th the three or four deposited campaigns, about 16 million, and the goal was 20. So in addition to the other campaigns and, and things that were going on, and of course the frontline staff and the call center bringing in money, we actually met a goal that we were expected not to meet because we trusted the process. We tested it, we proved it, we trusted it, and we were able to put data points behind that and say, hey, look, it's working, let's keep doing it. Um, and it just comes with establishing that trust with leadership. And, just really, it's it's exciting to see those things come together. When like you're like, okay, you've accepted in your heart, hey, this may or may not work, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to give it all I got. And then when it actually pans out, it's like, oh, sweet, this is awesome. We actually did it. And I think another key lesson hearing you dialogue and talk through this is big lofty goals, but we start to break those down into smaller bite-sized chunks. Melinda May, eat the well, mm -hmm. bite by bite working through not a, a, a yearly strategy because we have to be agile, we have to be nimble when market opportunities come up, but the perspective of like 90 days, this is what we're gonna focus on over the next 90 days, has helped to communicate internally, like this is what we're gonna do now, and then we'll worry about everything once we get to the next 90 day sprint, more or less. One of the other things that, that I'm thinking about too, hearing you talk, you've talked about lending, you've talked about senior leadership. Digital growth is not a journey that you travel alone. It's, it's one that you travel with a team. 
how have you been able to help guide others along? You talked about like whiteboarding and educating, but helping them see the bigger, better future that you're wanting to create. Because before this conversation, you mentioned something around a holiday loan campaign where marketing broke lending. That sounds like a pretty negative perspective. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so marketing broke lending. Yeah, we got some uh, not so great stairs in the hallway. What happened was in the past, we had a holiday loan campaign that we offer. It's a simple personal loan that we offer. We package it as a Christmas loan. In previous years, we've done it and it's got decent traction. But like I said, it was good enough. So why change it? With the implementation of the pre-app process and making it honestly taking a probably six step process down to a one or two step process, we went from, I think, a hundred applications in total in 2017, 2018, 994 applications, 2019, 1123. Now, the reason we started saying that we broke lending was because they were so busy and that was only off of two emails. It wasn't, this wasn't like a overly inundating our membership. This was two emails that we sent out but it was targeted in such a way that it hit our audience in the fields, if you will. And um, we got a lot of traction on it. Well, myself and another member of our marketing team, Lindsay, we went down, says and talked to Lindsay. was like, look, guys, we understand that this is a bit stressful. It's a lot more than we're used to. But you have to remember, you're not here to process loans. You're not here um, getting paperwork done. You're putting Christmas morning, Christmas cheer under people's tree. So with that in mind, keep fighting to get these things done because you don't know how much this simple act of you doing one simple task is making someone else's day, year, month, morning. And that was kind of the focus we all made and we pulled it off and it was really awesome. Yeah. You, you took a negative situation, transformed it into a positive one from a few different perspectives. And the quantifiable result was really 10x growth, something that I'm a big proponent of. And the reason I think you're able to do that, not once, but twice, is you had a reusable marketing asset um, mm -hmm. that you were able to pull off the shelf and reapply, but reapply and make it even that much better. Talk to me about, because that's been a big thing that you've been working on is trying to build reusable assets that can give you leverage, that can give you the exponential factor, because every marketer is limited with time. Why try to reinvent the wheel whenever you can build something that has some shelf life on it? You know, I, I think we have an excellent example of that. Um, uh, again, 2017 was a very transformative year for us in 2017, because this is that was a year that I, I mentioned before that the pre-app process was kind of the foundation for all of our digital optimizations. And I say that to say that in, in 2017, we rolled out a lot of assets for our auto refi campaign, the pre-app process, different things like that, that are now reusable in the sense that we look at these same processes, again, improve upon them, update it, take it off the shelf, get it out there and run. A good example of reusing an asset, not reinventing the will is uh, our quick savings quiz. We basically did a study, starting in the year 2017, we did a study on how much our members save on our six key products uh, products versus banking with the bank. We made this simple 10-question quiz, and it basically tells our members, hey, if you move these six products over here, you can save X amount of dollars. Well, now that quiz has become another reusable asset that makes the hard conversation of why you should move your checking and your audit over here, something very, very simple where it just makes dollars and cents that you're now saving this much more a year. And 
the idea is to continue to create assets like that so that when you come around to these bigger campaigns, you're actually eliminating a good 10, 20% of the work, if not more, by reusing processes that have been tried and true and proven and implementing them in such a way that it's specific to that campaign because it's not just throwing it out there and setting it forget it. It's how is it going to work in this audience? What tweaks do I need to make? How can I continue to improve upon it? Yeah, it's really a perpetual and organic lead generating asset that creates value over an extended period of time. I know you're you're starting to do that with other product lines as well as you level up your capabilities. Mortgages, very complicated buying journeys, uh, uh, the business services side of things. So it's exciting to see you've got the foundation and then you're leveling up these capabilities year over year. And the future's bright. You've got such an amazing story. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface here with you know, talking through some of the high level wins and progress that you've made. I, I want to look ahead a little bit into the future, take you two years out. So mm-hmm. two years down the road and let's look backwards. What is one thing for you that has to happen between now and then for you to feel good about your continued progress along your digital growth journey? Oh, I think that's simply, uh, as I gain new knowledge, I have to give it away and educate others. Um, and empower them to be able to do these same steps along my, uh, alongside me. And I have to be willing to give something up to take on something new. Digital is a process, a, a beast of a project that it is forever changing. And what worked in 2017, what worked in 2019 may not work in 2020. And just realistically, we have this internal thing in our department, don't get married to your work. And understanding that you have to be willing to give something up to take something else on. And just, I think what would have to happen is we are continually looking at our processes and understanding, okay, this is great. What's time to, like, what, what can we sunset so we can take on something new? And remember, in all of that, what we let go, what we take on, how is it helping people at our core? Because you can take on a lot of things that might look beneficial on the onset, but it isn't going to contribute to that overarching theme of helping others and reaching the goals at the same time. Because the goal is still a goal, but it's, it's just remembering to, to let go of what I can't do anymore. I need to let go of and take on what I need to and give away that, that knowledge so I can make room for new learning. Practical, practical insight and wisdom right there. What must I stop doing so that I can take on something new? You know, I get asked all the time, what do I need to be doing next? Like, what should we even start looking at doing? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's diagnose the situation so that we can figure out first and foremost, what you should stop doing so that you can create the space and time to start creating new behaviors, new developing new capabilities. Because if you keep the old and try to add the new, you're adding additional levels of complexity and that's where people get stuck in the overwhelm and the, and the circle. Right. And it's just not a really good place. Ending on practical insight, practical application, practical action for the financial brand marketing sales leadership teams listening because you've had so much experience over the past four or five years, what is one recommendation, practical recommendation, practical action that you could encourage them to take so that they can move forward along their own journey with confidence? I would say if you don't know your why, you can't do your what. Remember why you do what you do so that way you can continue to do what you do in excellence. That's that's the simplest way I can say it, and that's kind of how I like to do it. If you don't know why... Can you say that one more time? I think that was key. If you don't, 
if you don't know why you do what you do, you can't continue to do what you do in excellence and you can't elevate from there. Wow. Thank you so much for that. And thank you for the conversation, Jonathan. If anyone is listening and they have follow-up questions or they just want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to, uh, to get in touch with you? You can find me on Facebook, um, Instagram, uh, my email, work email address. I'm a, I, I'm a millennial, so I'm pretty digitally accessible. If you can find me, I think you can also find me on LinkedIn as well. If you can find me on a digital pla- platform, I would love to chat and help however I can. We thank you for that. We thank you for the wisdom you shared today, Jonathan. It's been great uh, having you join me on an up- another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Until next time, be well and do good. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.